We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Hey guys, my name is Zach and I'm a servant here at Relevant Church. And I just want to say welcome home. It is Palm Sunday and next week is Easter. You're going to get to hear Pastor Muta preach about Easter Sunday. So let's just give him a hand for being an awesome pastor. And let's give Pastor Christine a hand for being an awesome worship leader and preacher as she does so well. Um, one more shout out though, Relevant Youth, let's give them a hand, let's give them some hands up, let's give them a fist bump, whatever you want to do, because they just show up. Man, they show up to serve at church on Sunday, which is epic. They show up to youth events, man, they show up to party, but they also show up to the deep events where we learn about Jesus, where we go through scripture, where we learn about eternity with Christ, where we learn about just how to follow Christ as a good steward of your time and just the gifts he has given you. So let's give our youth some applause and just let them know that they're awesome. If you have a youth that goes to Relevant, give them a high five. And if you don't, encourage them to come to youth group because it is epic. But one thing I've noticed about the youth that irks me that I can't stand is this one thing. Man, you go outside with, you know, they come over to the youth event and they walk in the door, especially in winter, it's 10 degrees outside with a wind chill of 20, and they got a hoodie on. And I'm like, y'all, where is your coat? Get a jacket. And they're like, no, I don't need it. I got my hoodie. They're shivering. You can tell they need it, but they just want to be cool. It drives me nuts. That's my one, that's my one pet peeve with our youth is that they don't wear coats. But it makes me think of the time when I was a young man in youth group and prior to that and after that when I wasn't going to youth group anymore. And I had this jacket, and y'all, for us, jackets were the cool thing. They, they showed your status. The, the cooler your jacket was, the cooler you were. You know, you needed that cool jacket. When I was a kid, it was that Hornets jacket. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. But when I was in high school, it was the Letterman jacket or the track suit, the track jacket, and those were cool. But when I was 20, I had this khaki coat, right? It was a, a, probably a spring jacket. It looked like a bomber jacket mixed with a members-only jacket. And if you know members-only, you know that they were cool for a time. But this thing fit perfectly, and it just looked good. Like, when I walked in the room, I just felt confident, y'all. I just felt like I owned the room. And the cool thing about this coat is I got it in spring, so I just wore it. I wore it all throughout spring. Uh, spring nights, even summer nights that were cool, you know, bonfire nights, I wore that in a pair of shorts. Fall, wore that thing all the time. I never stopped wearing that coat. No other coat did I want to wear, just that one. And the thing that was awful about it was the coat that looked so good eventually got holes in it, it got worn out, it got stains. The coat that people went, wow, that looks great on you, they were like, you're still wearing that? That coat looks awful. You need to get a new one. And I loved it, so I wasn't ready to let it go. This type of coat, this, this story of a coat reminds me of our sins. You know, they look good, they feel good for a while, for a season. And then they start to not feel so good. They start to get holes in them, some stains, look a little raggedy. And people are saying, oh, he's still doing that? Oh, she's still over there in her life? Oh, that's them? 
they're living with that type of uh, style. Ugh. So, you know, we get those judgy looks, but, but we know that the sin isn't good either. That's the funny thing. We're like, I'll try to rationalize it like I tried to rationalize my coat. Oh, it's, it's okay that I drink because I'm just in college. It's okay that I'm partying. You know, blacking out is normal, right? Because I'm in college. That's what college kids do. Just like, oh, you know, this coat, it's, it's been mine forever. It just feels right. It just didn't work out. And these sins started to become my identity. Just like the coat was my identity. Oh, that's Zach. Yep, he always wears that coat. Oh, that's Zach. He's always drunk. And, man, I had to admit that my coat, my jacket, my actual jacket, wasn't a perfect coat. Just like my sins did not fit perfect anymore. And, you know, sometimes we just want to hold on to these things. But how many of you are wearing a coat of anger, a coat of addiction, a coat of depression, a coat of jealousy? How many of you guys are wearing a coat of inadequacy, of not being able to give what you know you can give? Man, eventually, just like my jacket, though, you know, these raggedy sins just wore me down. They became heavy. They became a burden. And we see a story like this happen in Genesis. God creates everything, right, in seven days. He, or six days, he creates, I'm sorry, six days. There was the day of rest. He creates everything from the heavens, the earth, the beasts, Everything in the water, on the land, in the air. He creates man. And then he goes, you know what? I need to create woman too. I need to create a partner, a helper. And he has Adam and Eve. And they're just doing an amazing job. They are subduing the earth, you know, and the animals. And they're dominant over them. And they're just rulers of the world with God. You know, they, they are domineering the world. They're doing great. They're in charge. They are managers. They're bosses. But God is their boss still. But uh, we notice one thing that happens is that God says, but there's one thing you can't do. You can do everything, enjoy everything here, enjoy being with all the animals, enjoy the water, enjoy you know, climbing trees if you want, but do not eat from this tree, this tree right here. He said this specifically, he said, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. They had one job, y'all. Don't eat from that tree. Don't eat from the tree. You got one job, Adam and Eve. Just don't do it. Spoiler alert, they ate from the tree. You knew it was going to happen. And the, the thing that happens is this. Scripture says, once they ate of the fruit, it says, Then the eyes of both were opened, and they saw that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So for the first time in their lives, they experienced shame. They experienced guilt. They experienced this anxiety and fear in them. Get this. They went, oh man, they went from knowing God, from walking with God in the Garden of Eden. They went from being in his likeness. They went from having dominion over the earth and the animals to being in this sad state that they were in. That's what sin does. They were no longer clothed in the glory that God had gave them. They were clothed in sin. Which is a sad place to be. You know, after, after they're clothed in the sin, 
life just isn't great. Life is tough. You know, Adam mourns all the time. Eve just is not very happy. And one thing we notice is that as fellow humans, the following humanity, we're also wearing these coats instead of the likeness of God that we were meant to wear. So whenever we wake up, we're still in that coat, the coat of sin. And the truth is, I've got a coat. You've got a coat. We've all got a coat. Our sin inherited from Adam, it dwells in our DNA, right? It's deep within, beneath our skin. We're clothed in this from when we are born. Psalm 51 says we are born in sin, in a paraphrase, we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You know, sin starts from the beginning. It's deep down. The coat I'm wearing eventually wears out. Point one, simple. Your coat sucks. You need a new one. How do we get a new coat? This is a tough question, but it's a simple answer. It's a question we don't want to really even ask. How do we get a new coat? Because many of us aren't ready for the simplicity of the answer. But let's go to how difficult I made it. So once I realized my coat sucked, once I realized I couldn't do it on my own, I thought, well, I'll go to human teachers. I'll go to the next self-help book or some philosopher or some guru or some guy who's teaching meditation. They're going to help me figure this out. <laughs> but for a while, you know, these coats felt tailor-made. They felt like they fit. But the stitches popped out, and guess what? They fell apart quickly. Just like many in Scripture experience. Samson thought his strength could do it alone. Saul was impatient, wouldn't wait for God. Solomon thought that his wealth and wisdom could carry him through. And then he realized, just as everyone in Scripture usually does, that God alone is the one that keeps us in the new coat. God alone gives us a new coat. But that's a spoiler. Neither, here's point two, though. Neither the world nor you can provide a quality coat. The philosophers couldn't give me a good coat. The gurus couldn't give me a good coat. The self-help books couldn't give me a good coat. I couldn't create a good coat for myself. The world's coats suck in reality. So where do we get this new coat? Where do we get it? simple answer is this. It's John 3.16. If you know it, say it along with me because many have, have memorized this verse. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Your old coat is gone. Christ brings the new coat. But many of you are probably saying, Zach, this is Palm Sunday. Why are we talking about coats? Why are we talking about sin? What? Isn't this about Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem? And the answer is yes. But let's read real quick Matthew 21, 1-9. I'm going to pick up the Bible and read this for you. Triumphal entry says this. Now when they drew near... To Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them 
and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl, the foal of a beast of burden. Bro, I Guys, I cannot say the word full. I always want to say foul for some reason. It's wild. But uh, the disciples went, this is verse 6, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them and put on them their cloaks. And Jesus sat on them. He sat on their cloaks. This is a way of the disciples to honor Jesus. They knew Jesus as their rabbi, as their teacher, as their pastor. They honored him. But they also knew that he was God. And they honored him even more. But, but, you know, let's just let's give our pastors a round of applause, a high five, or thank you note at some point, and just appreciate them because they don't get enough appreciation these days. So we're back in Scripture. It says, Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna! to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So, Hosanna is just a way to say praise, praise, praise him. Um, they're praising God as he's walking in to the city. He's coming in not only as the king, as God. And many of them understand this in a sense of throwing the palms down for a king who's coming from victory, but their coats were like throwing... When you throw your coat down in front of him, you were saying, I'm in submission to you. I know that you are the ruler. You are the king. You're coming in from victory. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was coming into his victory. He was about to die on the cross. And let's just go here. Jesus walks in the city. They throw their cloaks down. One thing they didn't know is they were symbolically tossing their sinful coats at the feet of Jesus. They were symbolically saying, Jesus, your victory is coming. Please destroy this they were throwing their coats down to be trampled over by the son of god the messiah the redeemer the king of israel god in human form fully god yet fully man they threw their coats at the feet of jesus the one who lived the perfect life the one who was going to die the perfect death and take their sins from them and give them his glory so Think about it this way. Just as Adam brought sin and death into the world, Jesus is the one who is saving the world. He's saving the world by his life, that he lived perfectly. He followed the law by his death on the cross and soon-to-be resurrection. So, point three. Simply put, lay down your coat. Isaiah 61, 10a says this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Get that. They threw their coats down. They threw their coats down on the ground to be trampled by Jesus. And what does Jesus do? This says that the Lord, which is Jesus, he gives us his robe of righteousness. So, to redeem the identity that God originally set for us, for you, for me, we must lay down our coat and be adorned with the robe that comes from Jesus Christ. 
Our hearts change when we accept Jesus. A new possible is created in our lives. So you listening, you listening right now, throw down your dirty, your raggedy, your holy, your nasty, not holy as in holy, holy as in, oh, there's holes everywhere. Your holy, your nasty, your stained jacket. Throw that jacket, that coat on the ground, that simple nature, throw it on the ground in front of Jesus to be trampled. In theology, one thing we call this, this giving of sins to Jesus and Jesus giving his glory to us, it's called imputation. Imputation is simply this. Jesus went on the cross. He was on the cross. Our sins were imputed to him. They were assigned to him. His glory was assigned to us. His glory was imputed onto us in that moment. It was a transfer. Things to be imputed are assigned to you. You know, this just means that basically Christ gave his glory for your sin. He took your sin, which he knew none, but he took our sins and was made sin, as scripture says. And he gave us his glory. So when the Father sees us, when the Heavenly Father sees us, he doesn't see us in our sinful nature. He sees us with the glory of Christ Jesus shining over us. He sees Christ Jesus in front of him so he doesn't judge us the way he should. Because the wages of sin are death. But Christ gives us his glory so we can have life. So, Colossians 2, 13, 14 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Your sins are nailed to the cross. Jesus took our raggedy and stained coat of sin hung that thing on the cross at his death and you received his glory point four Christ's coat is salvation Christ's coat brings glory Jesus took our old sucky coat and gave us a new perfect coat basically think of it this way the story of the prodigal son goes like this the son says hey dad I don't really care about you right now. I want the money that you owe me and my inheritance, and I want to go. And what did he do? This son put on the coat of lust. He put on the coat of gambling. He put on the coat of just greed and every type of unnatural uh, sin that he had. He, he went wild, y'all. He went and partied to his, to his greatest extent that he could have. Um, it says he lost all his money gambling. He spent his time with prostitutes. He thought he was having a good time, but in reality, the coat he was putting on, it was uncomfortable. It started to be a burden. It started to get heavy. It started to crush him under the weight of it. And that's what happens when we sin. We get crushed under the weight of the coat we're wearing. But think about this. The son thought, well, I'll go home. I, my life is awful. I want to eat pig's food because this is my job now. I feed pigs, but I'm so broke. I lost all my money that I might as well eat this food. But he goes, I'll go see my father. I can become a servant. At least I can become a servant. They eat well. They eat better than this. So he's walking down the road. His father sees him off. And not only does his father run to him, he arrives, embraces his son. And what does he do? He says, says to his servants, he says, get my signet ring. Go get my signet ring. Go get my robe. 
dress him in honor, this son that did not deserve it, this son that lost everything, this son that easily put on this coat of disgrace, dishonor, this coat of sin, he not only fell into it, he walked into it. But what does the father do? He gives him a new robe. His robe, his signet ring, which basically said that he was part of the family again. He robed him in honor, just as the same way Jesus Christ robes us after we repent of our sins and follow him as Lord and Savior. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.